You're listening to the Vineyard Community Church Podcast with Pastor Rick Francis. For more information, visit vccmountcomfort.org. Welcome to the Vineyard. My name's Rick Francis. I'm the pastor here. It's a joy to be with you on the fourth Sunday of Advent. And I see some kids that I haven't seen in a long time. Violet, you're going to come help me? All right. This is Violet Ogle. And it's been a while, but Beans, you probably remember this, don't you? The first candle that we light on the first Sunday of Advent was for the prophets. Hope. They brought hope. Okay? Then the second candle, oops, let's get that up. Okay. We ran out of gas. Uh-oh. And these are really in tight. We rehearsed this. Okay, sweetie, now you can take this and light the second candle. Didn't we? We totally rehearsed it. And that is the candle of peace. And then the third candle over here is the candle of joy. Now you can go all the way around because I don't want you to get fire. And here we go. The candle, the last Sunday of Advent, the fourth Sunday, is the candle of love. Yeah, it wasn't pre-lit like the others. Thank you. Thank you, Violet. What a wonderful time to be alive. Sometimes I just pinch myself, and I can't believe that we're alive at this time in the kingdom story as it's being played out. Some might want to go back and, and be with Jesus at, at the manger. I'm really happy that in God's wisdom, he ordained that I was born in 1953, back in the dark ages when dinosaurs ruled the earth. Yeah, And it's, 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 there's, there's no other time that I'd rather live in than right now. As I see the kingdom of God just manifesting in incredible, wonderfully powerful ways, I want to uh, kind of, in light of everything that's going on in our country right now, a good friend of mine, we, we were in part of the same youth group in the Free Methodist Church as we were raised, and he and I have been serving in the kingdom and in the church in so many different capacities, and he made a post on Facebook and he shared this prayer that I just thought was so perfect. I never even knew that they had a prayer such as this. It's called, A Prayer During Times of Impeachment. I've never heard of that. This is a prayer that the church has prayed during times of impeachment, and it was shared again. Here it is, gracious and loving God, our creator, our sustainer, our redeemer. We thank you for the gift of prayer. We are grateful that we can cast our cares upon you and know that you will take care of us. We are thankful that we can be confident in knowing that while in this world there are trials and tribulations, you have overcome the world. Thank you, O God. We come before you with heavy hearts, a nation deeply divided over impeachment proceedings. Our nation is in trouble. Our nation is divided. Our nation is facing turmoil 
that we have not seen in a generation, we lift up our nation to you. We ask, O oh God, that you would give our leaders wisdom, insight, and courage to lead us in ways that are just and righteous. We pray that they will not bow to political pressures, regardless of where that pressure originates, but instead that they would be courageous and mindful of the responsibilities entrusted to them. In your mercy, God, hear our prayers. We lift up the people of this nation, O oh God, and we ask you would give us discernment to know right from wrong and to act on it. We pray that you would give us courage to hear and to see and to listen to those who may have different opinion, a different opinion than our own. We pray that you would infuse us with your spirit that we might be light in the midst of darkness of this hour. Whatever the outcome of the impeachment vote, the House of Representatives or the trial in the Senate, help us to find ways to be healers, unifiers, reconcilers, which is who you have called us to be. In your mercy, O oh God, hear our prayers. During this Advent season, we wait with great expectation to celebrate the miracle birth of Jesus the Christ. We also pray today that the miracle would manifest itself in our nation and that we would be your hands, feet, and mouthpieces in the world as we partake in the unfolding of the miraculous. In your great mercy, O oh God, hear our prayers. It is in your precious and holy name that we pray and ask these things, trusting and believing that they can be so and shall come to pass. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. We have some other prayer concerns to lift up. Our dear Fanny fell and broke her leg and has had surgery and is recovering, and we need to continue to lift her up in our prayers. Quinn uh, Gaither, has, uh, his back has gone out again, and uh, he's, he's very restricted in his mobility. He said, uh, P.S., he's hoping to see us on Christmas Eve this coming Tuesday night at 11 p.m. So let's pray for these and others that you know. It seems like there's been an inordinate amount of illness, sickness, accidents, calamities. And so, Lord, we just come in the name of Jesus and we speak with the authority that you've given us, delegated authority from the one who has all authority in heaven and on earth. And we say, Lord, let all attacks cease now in Jesus' name. Everything that is coming against your children from the kingdom of darkness we, we break and cancel and will not receive any more of its influence, its thoughts, its uh, ability to affect our lives. We say, Lord, we pray over this Advent season as we gather with family and friends and as we, as we are so reminded of the coming of our Lord Jesus, we say, let this be a time in which his authority and his power is exercised among us, and that we are free from every demonic assault, everything that would try in any way to hinder the love and light and the liberty that you've given to us as sons and daughters. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 
Thanks, Violet, for helping me with the Advent wreath. Oh, she, she's a big help, isn't she? We love you, Violet. <laughs> Your Bibles, if you don't have them, it'll be on the screen. Luke chapter 1. <clears throat> if you haven't received one of the Advent uh, brochures, uh, the, the booklets, it's entitled The Invitation. As far as I'm concerned, it's the best one we've ever had. But it's only good if you use it. <clears throat> it's only good if you use it. That's like, you know, what's the best Bible translation, you know, that you should have? The one that you read. That's the best Bible, is the one that you're reading. And so, you know, if you can get a, a copy, we've got a bunch of them out there. The ushers will be happy to make sure that you get them if you haven't got them. They are not just for Advent. These are exercises on hope, peace, joy, and love that you can do throughout the year. And I hope that you keep the booklet and take it way beyond just the Advent season and use it in your own devotional. It, it gives you an opportunity to just quiet yourself and allow the Holy Spirit to direct your thoughts and bring up those aspects of hope, peace, joy, and love. And as I, as I was sitting before the Lord and I was just concentrating on, on just being with him and inviting the Holy Spirit to show me what love the Lord wants me to see. He started bringing faces of my family and different ones, and I was writing them down and, and just focusing in on them. It's a wonderful, wonderful tool, <clears throat> and it's our gift to you. I hope you'll util utilize it, because it is a blessing uh, like none other. So, <clears throat> Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, verse 26. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, <clears throat> a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, <clears throat> a descendant of David. I should have had another cough drop. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are fight. Yeah, greetings, you who are highly favored. You know, that's one of my favorite. A lot of different translations. I, I love to call people on the phone and say, Ah, oh, David, son of the Most High God, how are you? And, and, and just, you know, those kind of greetings, man. I love it because it takes us back. Because we don't expect anybody to greet us with such favor. But yet the Lord is always greeting us with such favor if we just had ears to hear his voice. Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting that this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and, will, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. Thank you. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. 
Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. Let's pray. Father, I pray that we would be able to hear the good news of your love today. That the familiarity that we have with these passages of Scripture would not prevent us from seeing and hearing and receiving your love at another level today. I pray that you would cause us to see and to behold the love that you have lavished upon us and to receive it with thanksgiving. I pray, Father, that right now, everything that would be a distraction would just uh, be rendered powerless. Every tendency that we have to chase squirrels, I pray, Lord, for the squirrel-breaking anointing to fall upon the congregation now, that we might be able to focus on you and your love, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So as you see the invitation, we're looking at Mary and we're looking at her response to what the angel had brought to her in announcing what Father God had intended and her role and her destiny on planet Earth. And out of her love for the Lord, you, we, we just get this one, this one little glimpse of Mary found here in, in the Scripture and on through the Gospels. But I... In my humanity, I wonder what in the world was happening in Mary's life leading up to this. What was happening in her life? You know, she's about to get married. She's engaged. She's got a one-year period that she's getting ready to, to, to come into a covenant relationship with Joseph. And so, <clears throat> as I've been counseling so many pre-marriage folks and as I talk with the, the, the brides-to-be you know, they are just thinking about everything on the planet. You know, from the little details of the wedding to the... I don't think Mary had the kind of American nonsense. I mean, uh, the, the American way of, of doing a wedding that she was just focusing on the flowers and where the guests are going to sit and where we're going to park the camels and all those kind of things. But as she, as she was doing that, you got to realize that this announcement to comes, comes to her in the midst of her preparing for her, her wedding. Wow. Amazing. I wonder how many times she's had a special sense that the Lord was up to something. You know, there's, there's oftentimes when, when the Lord's getting ready to show, show, bring something to me that is just a, a total disruptor of my life, Usually I have some inklings that something's coming down the pike. Usually I have some, and I don't know if you're getting married for the first time, you know, if you're thinking, oh, this is just the wedding, you know, pre-marriage jitters that's going on, or whether God was percolating something inside of her to be receptive to the announcement of Gabriel when he came. All we know is that she said, yes. She said, yes. Let it be to me according to your word. 
What an incredible act of obedience and love and devotion. <clears throat> I was reading in a devotional this week something that just really blessed me. Fred Buchner was writing and he said, For most of my Christian life, I related to God on the basis of what I did for him. If I prayed well, studied hard, served much, and sinned little, then I felt reasonably sure God was pleased with me. I was living in a kind of fear that was paralyzing my ability to love God. Hmm. To love God, to love myself, and ultimately to love others. I was afraid God would look at my faults and withdraw his love. I was afraid my weaknesses would separate me from the love of Christ. Now I see they cannot. That's good news. I was afraid of my sinfulness would separate me from the love of Christ. Now I'm certain that nothing will ever separate me from the love God has made visible in Jesus. I now see how foolish it was to think that my feeble attempts at righteousness had anything to do with how God feels about me. For too long, I was impressed with my commitment to Christ. Now I am impressed only with Christ's commitment to me. What things do you fear will build a wall between you and God's love? Can you see how impossible that is? If you can't, I hope by the time we're done today, you'll see it. Lord, I receive the truth that I am my beloved and he is mine. Mm. Wow. When I heard that devotional, it takes me right back to the book of Romans. One of the most incredible passages of Scripture, Romans chapter 8. Begin reading at verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? That takes in quite a few things there, folks. <clears throat> As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. Know in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. That's how we conquer. We conquer with his love. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Wow, that is so good. The love of the Lord is something that we can intellectually conceptualize. If you've been in church for any length of time, you've heard John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And we understand that God loves. We even understand the Bible verse says God is love, and we'll get to that in just a minute. When we get to the subject of love, the enemy doesn't care how much we know about how much God loves, as long as we don't know how much God loves us. Kind of look to your neighbor and say, God loves you. How'd that feel? 
Was that easy? Anybody have a hard time? You're sitting next to someone you like to punch? No. It just reminded you that you would like to really rock their world, but God loves them, so you probably shouldn't. Okay? Okay, now take your neighbor and look and say this. God loves me. I love this exercise. It's one of my favorites. Because was that a little different than the first? It's a little different, isn't it? It's, it's like there's something in our religiousness that says, well, I can't boast that God loves me. I'm supposed to be humble. God loves you. I hope he loves me. No, God loves me. Now turn to your neighbor and say, God loves loving you. How'd that feel? Was that a little harder than God loves you? Ain't nothing hard. No? God loves loving you? Sometimes we can say God loves you, but he doesn't like you. You know, that's, that's what we're thinking in our hearts. We're thinking, God really loves you, but he's really disappointed with how you're, you know, la, 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 la. Instead of, you know, God really loves loving you. Wow. Now the last exercise. God loves loving me. Tell that to your neighbor. Proclaim it. God absolutely loves loving you. And God loves loving me. And when we, when we get this, and we get this understanding, we get into his presence. I, I don't know how, how you've been, but, but there's times when it's like his voice comes and he says, Rick, will you let me love all of you? And I'm thinking, uh, duh. I thought I was letting you love all of me. And then he knows how to put his finger right on the spot where his love hasn't been allowed to affect my life. Will you allow me to love you in this area? Oh, when he does that, oh, you just get the warm tinglys? No, you get the fear of like, oh, I really like my anger against that person and that injustice. I really want to, 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 to nurse that. It, 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 it helps motivate me, my anger and my hatred that get me going. And it's like, no, will you allow me to love all of you? And when he puts his finger on those areas of our, of our heart, our soul, our spirit, our body, it gives us an opportunity to increase our intimacy and our love relationship with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And I don't know about you, but I want to keep growing in intimacy with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Times, you know, when I was a sophomore in seminary, I knew everything about the love of God. It's amazing how sophomores know everything. Yeah, they just Once you get one year of college or one year of grad school under your belt, you're pretty much an expert on everything. And then all of a sudden, he reveals his love to you, and you're undone. You just kind of crumble. He has a way of just melting me in his presence. 
that when he's done, I'm a fresh lump of clay that he can fashion any way he wants because his love is the agent that comes into my clay vessel. And when his love comes in, then he can conform me to the image that he wants to shape me in. Then he can make me the vessel that he can use. He can make me a vessel of his own choosing. The problem is, oftentimes we think we know what kind of vessel we're supposed to be. And so we like to give the potter a little instructions, a little more thumb here, a little more little finger there, you know, and could we get the curves going just right, you know, and, and, and we're trying to, to, to shape instead of just submit. He's never made junk in his life. And whatever vessel he makes you into, it's going to be the vessel that gives you the most joy, the most life, the most fulfillment his call and his destiny on your life. I love it. Okay, I think I've read that one. Let's go to the next one. First John chapter 4. Mm. Beginning at verse 16. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. We know it and we rely on it. And the more we know it, the more we rely on it. The less we rely on the love of God, it's because the less we know of the love of God. And here it's not intellectual, academic knowledge, it's experiential knowledge. The more we know intimately, personally, God, the more we will rely on the love he has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. In this way, love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. Because in this world, we are like him. Oh, my stars. Did you hear that? Is that in the Bible? In this world, we are like him. Oh, yeah? Where, where are you going to get the Bible verses to support that? Hmm? Ha, ha, ha. We're going to be like him? What kind of like? Kind of like... We got hair? Some of you got hair. <clears throat> what kind of like? Oh, we're going to be just like him. Matter of fact, in the Gospel of John, it says the very things that Jesus has done, even greater things we will do. And we'd love to theologically qualify that. But just take it for its face value. Everything that Jesus did. In this world, we will be like him. Why is it that we're not seeing it? Because we have to have at the core foundation, the foundation of love. Everything that Jesus did and said was coming out of the core of his being of love. His love for the Father and his love for his Father's kingdom, it motivated everything that he did. I think we will see much more supernatural, miraculous stuff take place as we get to the core of our lives, the love of God. It's gotta be foundational. I was having a time with the Lord. I sit in my, my prayer chair. And as I sit in my prayer chair, I, I've updated my prayer chair. It's a power prayer chair. <laughs> Appropriate power prayer chair. So I sit there and I hit the buzz and zzzz, it gets right to the right spot that my back is just totally at peace. And I sit in his presence and I just wait for him. I'm not praying for you. 
I do. But at that moment, I wasn't praying for you. I was just waiting on him. What is it, Lord, that you have? And all of a sudden, just flashes of light started taking place. And I thought, oh, I think something's about to happen. And then he started showing me that oftentimes I get the exterior ahead of the interior. And he was talking to me about the internal realities of what he wants to do in me that will prepare for the external manifestations of what he wants to do in his kingdom. And I thought, oh, this is good. Ooh, I can feel it again. He's showing up. Thank you. And the, the tingles of, of just his presence, because as, as he's doing that, he's showing me love has got to be the foundation of everything that I do in relationship to him. And as I'm experiencing his love, it gives me the ability to release love to him. The scripture says, I'm way out, Susie, sorry. We can love him because he first loved us. If he didn't take the initiative and love us first, we would still be trying to work our ways to heaven. But because he took the initiative and poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he's given to us, as he's done that, we get the reality of reciprocating and loving him back. And as we love him back, we will find that it will manifest itself externally. So in my devotional, he's, he's talking to me about internal realities. Don't look at the exterior. Just continue to allow him access to the interior because there's things on our foundations that he wants to shore up. There are places where he wants to pour new footings. Why? It's not because we did it wrong the first time, but because now it's a time for a greater superstructure. And for there to be a greater superstructure, there needs to be a deeper foundation. And so he's excavating and he's taking us deep, deep, deep in his love. And that's why we know it's him, because all the time he's doing it, it's out of his love. I don't know if you've ever experienced the painfulness of his love, because it can hurt. It really can. But it's not the kind of pain that you get frantic and fearful. It's the kind of pain that you know something wonderful is happening, that the Lord, the God, the sovereign of the universe is taking time out to address something in your life because he knows who you are, even though we don't know who we are. He knows who we are, and he's taken us down deeper so that the manifestation of his love to a lost and dying world will be greater than it's ever been so that they will see not us, but they'll see him because they know how our tendencies are, but they don't know how his tendencies are. His love never fails. It never fails. Oh, I love that. Nothing will stop the advancement of his kingdom because it's the kingdom of love. Remember this quote by Mike Bickle? He said, a man in love never gives up. I thought, oh, I think that's revealing something about my spirit of quitting. I don't know his love. If I know his love to the depths that I need, I'll never stop. I'll never quit. But when all of a sudden I turn my love off because I think I'm entitled to, I put up with this long enough. I'm entitled to turn my love off. Uh, no, 
that's not coming from the kingdom of light. That's coming from the other kingdom, the, com- the kingdom of self-righteousness. And it's, it's like, okay, I've, I've, I've done. no, love never fails. Love never quits. What do I need? I need a greater encounter with the intimacy of the love of God for that will see me through what I'm going through. That's a good word, Rick. Keep preaching, dude. You're, you're on a roll. Come on. Mm. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Oh, man. Sometimes we study our Bibles just enough to win an argument. And we haven't studied enough to know the author. The love of God for us in our fallenness, in our sinfulness, was so great that he gave the holy and righteous son in exchange for us. The extent of sacrificial love. Mm. Not so that we can go around and condemn. Jesus has never come to condemn. If you're feeling condemnation, it may be the church, it may be religion, but I guarantee you it's not Jesus. He is not condemning you. He loves you. And he's wooing you back to a deeper fellowship, intimacy, love relationship with him because he longs for you. He longs for you. We'll end with an interesting translation. In in most of the translations of our Luke chapter 1 passage, it says, for nothing is impossible with God. But literally in the Greek, it says, It's impossible for his word not to come to pass. That's why some have translated, no word will, no word will from God ever fail. If it's from God, it's not going to fail. And that's what Mary heard. And that's what she embraced. She heard the proclamation from the angel Gabriel and she received it as the voice of God. And she knew that no word from God will ever fail. And she believed. And the miracle of the incarnation took place. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. That in this season... The word miracle gets brought up a lot. When something happens and it goes well for us and we're surprised, we say, oh, it's a Christmas miracle. Father, I pray that the Christmas miracles from your heart to our heart would be released from heaven to earth today. I pray that your angels would have charge here concerning each one and that you would minister your love the ways that we've never known before. I pray, holy angels, 
all the different ways in which the kingdom of darkness has deceived us and caused us to agree with it and has made it almost impossible for us to perceive the limitless, matchless love of Christ. I pray right now that you would break off every jamming signal, that you would break off every uh, barrier that would keep us from hearing the full measure of your love. Father, for some, I see you coming with the, with, with the basin and the towel and you wash their feet because you want to know, you want them to know how much you're here out of love to serve. They're, they're cleansing, they're, their need for just a foot washing. I pray, Holy Spirit, now you would release in the powerful name of Jesus, our, our Lord and Savior, the one who gave us an example that we should follow in his steps. I pray that we would be able to spiritually remove our shoes and our socks and anything that would restrict the cleansing that you have for us right now and release the full power of your cleansing love let it purify our thoughts, our emotions, our feelings, our memories. All the things in the past that the enemy uses against us, we say in Jesus' name, let the power be broken off of our past to be tormented, to be held in restriction, to be imprisoned by anything from our past. And release the fullness of your love, your freedom, your liberty. Mm -hmm. Come. Come to those and wash feet today. For others, Lord, you're, you're the good shepherd. <clears throat> you're going after the one that's left. You leave the 99 and you go after the one that's astray. And you go and you gather it and you put it on your shoulders and you bring it back into the fold. Because you love, you love each one individually. And so, Holy Savior, we receive your love as a good shepherd that you would leave others and come after us to bring us back into the, into the fold, into the family, into a loving relationship with you. Cause us to hear your voice. Cause us to hear your voice and to know that we are known by name by our shepherd and give us the securing comfort of your rod and your staff your presence is what we long for for others Lord you're the great high priest <clears throat> you're coming to, to them today to let them know that the burden that they have in their heart is a burden that you have in your heart it's not just a burden that originated with them, but it's one that they share because their heart and your heart are one. And that you're there as the great high priest mediating before the Father in their behalf, the burden that they carry. And so we come to you today as our great high priest. We're so thankful. We're so thankful that you are the one that speaks for us when we have no more words to speak. 
that you, Holy Spirit, with groans that are beyond words, there is no human expression that's adequate to give to the groaning of the burden that's carried in the hearts of some this morning. But you know it fully. And with great, great honor, you bring it before the Father. And we say, Lord, let, let the full release of the burden be experienced today. Let the earth see what has been in our hearts come to pass for the glory and praise of Jesus, for Father, and for you, Holy Spirit. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To receive more audio content from The Vineyard, click the subscribe button in iTunes.